0: who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. Every time I hit publish and an episode gets released into the universe, I often take pause and realize that it's still there. I'm talking about that wonderful sense of excitement, gratitude, and respect that has always characterized every one of these amazing interviews. It's a humbling feeling to realize that behind the achievements, the celebrity, the notoriety, the expertise... If one is willing to humble yourself and listen, you have the opportunity to get to know an incredible human being. Today's guest is no different. I had been a big fan of my next guest for a really long time as I greatly admired this warrior's journey. As a back-to-back CrossFit Games World Cup champion, Michael Cashew is no stranger to the importance of one's mindset when overcoming seemingly insurmountable obstacles. As a coach, being well accustomed to the unique process of self-examination, he specializes in helping clients get out of their own way by identifying self-limiting beliefs and ineffective behaviors. He could certainly draw from personal experience as, at the age of 17, Michael moved from a small town in Louisiana to Utah for drug rehabilitation to overcome his addiction to opiates. It was that experience that led him to fall in love with CrossFit and, most importantly, helping others on a personal level through coaching and mentoring. In 2014, Michael co-founded Bruce Strength Training, a company that specializes in developing physical training programs for athletes. Over the years, he has coached aidless NFL and MLB players as well as CrossFit athletes in everything from power and speed development to injury prevention, nutrition, and mindset. He also started the Bruce Strength Podcast, which was recently rebranded as the Michael Kaz Podcast, where he's interviewed many of the biggest names in health and fitness and has reached nearly 5 million downloads. In 2015, Michael met his wife, Adi, founder and CEO of Working Against Gravity, an online nutrition consulting program dedicated to helping athletes and everyday people transform their lives. Having sold brute strength to his business partner in 2018, Michael is now acting full-time president of Working Against Gravity, where he currently focuses on marketing, leadership, and nutrition coaching. On this impactful episode, Michael shares his incredible perspective on commitment, acceptance, compassion, parenting, dedication and so much more. A jam-packed exchange, which I do hope you'll enjoy. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 143 with Michael Kaju. Here we go. The way I start all these calls, really, um, I want to celebrate you. Um, why do I mean by Celebrate. I always come at these recordings with a lot of curiosity, and I never dig too much into the uh, the past of the journey of my previous guests. And I know that for you, for someone so achieved, for someone who's overcome so much, whether through your addictions and, you know, every single, like, you know, hurdle you have to overcome, even like, you know, with going all the way up to the CrossFit Games, you know, you're an achieved champion, you're a business owner, you're a husband, you're a father, you're all, with all these things. For me, we are the sum of all our accomplishments, not just our setbacks. But our accomplishments and something that, you know what, through every little thing, a lot of people might say, oh, a superstar podcaster, a superstar CrossFit champion and everything. But at the core, it comes from a very sincere place of wanting to do better for oneself. And I think that's something that should be saluted because you, you know, for me and having been a fan of uh, the Brute Strength, now the Michael Kaz podcast for so long. Um, it's very, shows a very huge dedication to the self and it's not selfish. ish, but again, you can't give what you don't have. And that comes from a very sincere place of wanting to do better because that's what we want for the people around us. And that's something I want to, first of all, thank you because impacting lives as much as you do, uh, through every single, you know, content that you push out, every single positive, positive message, the training, the recommendations, just the natural sense of, of achievement and purpose that you bring out. Um, that's something that's very genuine and means a lot, especially to people listening to us. So for everything that you've done up to this point and all the stuff that you're <laughs> still going to be doing down the road, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Welcome to the Weekend Austin awesome Podcast, Michael.
1: Wow, thank you so much for that, man. I'm, I am feel so honored. And I think uh, kind of like you said, I am just like anyone else who really craves growth and change in my life. And if I've done anything well over the past 12-ish years since I left Louisiana when I was 17 it's I stay curious like I still have that childlike curiosity
0: and just keep uh, I continue to follow my passions um, what really sparked this conversation not just me being a fan but I really wanted to bring this to the forefront you've most recently renamed rebranded the podcast from Ruth strength all the way up to Michael Kaz. and the way you put it was so Earnest and so sincere, and it was a really short episode. And I really invite you guys to go ch- to go check it out on Michael's podcast. But the thing is that really struck me because I always like to read between the lines. For everything that you invested in both time and bookings and research and giving us all this wonderful content, and just out of the blue, you you realize, you know what, guys? It was this sense of it, I I got this sense of accountability where you told me you told you were telling us that you know what, if it's not authentic to me. I am doing you guys a disservice. And why was it important for you? You could have just rebranded and like nobody cares. Like you know, just click, subscribe, download, and go. But why was it so important for you to let us know? You know what, guys, this is what we're going to do going forward.
1: Hmm.
0: I think it's very similar to how I
1: how I responded when you were praising the shit out of me a second (laughs) ago. I. What I continue to do, I think, really well in my life is I follow my passions very obsessively until they are no longer passions. And then as soon as I become clear that I'm over that thing, I think I've become really good at putting my ego aside and just saying, look, I'm done with this. And what that has led to in my life is it's led to me leaving some money on the table, leaving some status on the table, Et cetera, leaving some material success on the table in the interest of what is truly an alignment for me at that time. What is truly, what I'm truly passionate about. And so with the podcast for years, I had been going, I had been transitioning from a very fitness focused message to more psychology and relationships and even business. And I continue to try to hold on to the name of brute strength and I continued to be very involved with the company for, you know, until a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And over time I just started to realize like I think I'm I think my interests have just changed. Like I'm not that into competitive fitness as I used to be. And I I tried to convince myself to hold on to the name for as long as possible, because I really thought I would lose some credibility. I would lose maybe rankings in iTunes, all of this, all of this, like material stuff, this, th- these things that my, are really important to my ego. Mm-hmm. And then I got really clear and I was like, okay, I, I, I know this is true for me. I have to do something about it. Uh, called my business partner, Matt, Matt, who's the CEO of Brute. I told him I was going to be
0: switching up the name. And then I just let everybody know. You put in so much word, so, so much truth in there. You we we heard about passion, we heard about commitment, we heard about you know I heard hesitation, I heard about you know a little bit of fear, and again, there's also that that projected fear, it was like status, iTunes rankings, and you know familiarity. And you often talk about that in a lot of your episodes about the comfort the comfort zone. You know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. This was an uncomfortable moment. And I parallel that with a lot of stuff that a lot of people deal with on a day-to-day in regards to, I've put in so much sweat equity, so much time, so much personal investment. I can't possibly give this up. But you come from this place. You know, You're this is a brand. This is a business. This is a community. And you know what? If you can, what does that say about every single person just holding on to, let's call them excuses and pivoting? What can you tell them about, you know, again, listening to that authentic self? I
1: think it's... Maybe the most important thing that we can possibly do. And before I, yeah, before I go any further on that, I think I should talk about what that even means. Like what does it even mean to listen to our authentic selves? I think that for me, at least it is a feeling in my body. Like when something is right for me, it's not something I usually Can make sense of in my head. It's a feeling in my body. And so if something feels right, I might feel a sense of warmth. I might feel comfortable. I might feel at ease. I might feel like my chest is expanding. Mm -hmm. And if something is wrong, like a person doesn't really fit in my life or is a, is, is a negative, has a negative impact on me or an opportunity is not right for me. I may feel tension. I may feel a little burning. Something really doesn't might not feel right in my body. And the way that I, I think I've really honed the ability to discern like what is in my body and what is in my mind. Um, number one is through a a very consistent meditation practice over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, and number two is constantly reflecting on the decisions that I make and just getting really good at, uh, yeah, be like in retrospect saying, yes, that was a good decision or that wasn't and trying to remember how that felt in my body. So that's how I, that's how I kind of know if something is right for me. I know that that could seem a little woo and abstract, but I think that that really is the key. Like that is what listening to your intuition is about. It's something in the body. <clears throat> and then the importance of it is like, The only way we're going to have peace of mind at the end of of the day and tranquility in our lives is if we are, if we're treating ourselves well, if we're honoring ourselves, if we're taking care of ourselves, if we're treating ourselves like a friend and if we're having these if if our body is telling us or some part of us is telling us, giving us the answers about whether to leave the job that we hate or the relationship that doesn't work anymore or whether or not to take a certain opportunity and we consistently don't listen to it because of what society tells us or what we're conditioned to think from our parents or because we're just striving for success and achievement at the expense of our, our own happiness, it's going to be really hard to sleep at night. And so I think it's, it is the most important thing that we can possibly do is to build a relationship with our intuition and to get better at listening to it and actually taking the action that feels right to us.
0: Because it's such a natural reaction to come to the foothold, to the doorstep of this, of this decision that seems weird, looks weird, feels weird, But you still have the audacity to try it out. But if you take two seconds too long to doubt yourself, that is where you back away and say, ah, bad idea. And then you end up spending the rest of the day, the week, the life. I wonder, maybe coulda, shoulda, woulda. And you know what? A lot of people, and I realize this through a lot of, you know, the conversation that we have, the guests we bring on, this is a common thread. You need to jump. Fear is part of the process. You've had your fair share of obstacles. You've had your fair share of hesitations. You've just had a new baby. So again, coming from, you know, the perspective of experience, fear is part of the process. There's no getting around it, is there, Mike? No, not at all. And in fact, I think we're, we grow up
1: thinking that if we experience fear, then we shouldn't do whatever that thing is. Like fear is evidence that we shouldn't do the thing. I... I really believe that we can use fear as a flashlight to point to what really matters to us in life and outside of things that are like, sometimes fear serves a very good purpose. It keeps us from driving off the road. It keeps us from making very physically dangerous decisions that should be avoided. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like most things like public speaking or quitting a job that we hate, those kinds of things, fear is really just telling us, hey, that thing really, really matters to you and you really should consider doing that thing. And often our fear is very misplaced and and the worst case scenarios that we fear about almost never happen. And we also don't realize how easily we could get back to exactly where we are today if our
0: worst case scenario did happen. A lot of the... Uh, internal dialogue that often ends up, you know, birthing from this, this constant making up of excuses, because we are really good as human beings to just like any single chance your brain or subconscious is going to have to actually anchor you into this comfort zone is going to come up. (laughs) No, I've never run a business before. I've never, I've, I've never written a book before. What do I know about running a podcast? And this is stuff that a lot of people bring up. Being a high achiever as you are, you know, from everything that you've experienced as a CrossFit champion, everything. How do you deal with excuses? Because with all these conversations I have with people, such as yourself, I realize that you know, you guys, all my wonderful guests, and I- I'm so blessed to be able to have these conversations. Because you know what, champions or again, elite performers don't make the obstacle the excuse. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is one more thing to deal with, but okay, let's 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 just deal with it. And a lot of people use that as their crutch, as as opposed to something they can springboard off of. And I was wondering if you could demystify that for us. So how do I deal with excuses
1: personally or when I yeah. hear them in other people? Both, if you can. Yeah. So with other people, sometimes I get frustrated, just like you're talking about. And the older I get, the more experience I get, the more present to my own humanity I get the more i just realize like they're exactly where they're supposed to be based on the experiences that they've had in their life based on the upbringing that they've that they have had they, they they couldn't do any better right now they are exactly where they're supposed to be and i've been there before i haven't always had the the language and the ability to deal with opportunities or mistakes or whatever as i do now it's it's taken a lot of focus and effort and energy. So I'm able to have a lot more compassion for people today. And then the way that I deal with it myself is first and foremost, I give myself excuses sometimes still. And I try to, I try to be compassionate towards myself too, because things like, let's see if I can think of something I recently gave excuses about. Sure. Uh, one was like the something that I resisted most recently was earlier this year. Actually, I resisted it for years. It was doing solo podcasts. You might have heard a few of them that yeah, I did. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Yeah. And the excuses were things like, well, for, for context for listeners, I've, I've done hundreds of interviews with other people and I've had this desire to do solo episodes just to really express myself. I feel like I have a lot to share and I've been really scared to do it. And the excuses sounded like. I'm just not ready yet. I don't, I don't I don't have anything to say. Wow. Uh it won't it won't contribute to the success of the business. It's not worth my time. All of these sorts of things. And I had this huge desire to express myself in that way. So I had all of these excuses there for literally years, man. And then finally, a coach of mine, he he just was like, you know what? If you want to, if you want to really get good at a certain form of content, you need to just dive in headfirst and immerse yourself in it. And long story short, he encouraged me to do three of them a week for 90 days, which is what I did. So that that, that was a bunch of content for me. And the first one took like two hours to create a 10 minute episode. (laughs) So it took a lot of my time per week. Because you're always self-editing. Always self-editing. And... What I learned is, and this, this is, this doesn't relate to your question, but it's one of the biggest insights. Good stuff. Yeah. One of the biggest insights I feel like I've learned in my life is the way that human beings learn best. Certainly the way I learn best is by doing. It's not by listening. It's not by getting coached. It's not by reading. It's not by watching a, a YouTube video. It's by doing the thing, giving myself feedback, like in the moment reflecting on my performance and then also having other people give me feedback. All of those other things that I mentioned work really, really well, especially coaching and mentorship, Mm -hmm. but actually doing the thing is like, are you familiar with the 80, 20 principle? I'm sure you are. I'm sure you Mm -hmm. are. You have all, all the good books behind you. Um, doing the thing is, is one of the, highest leverage activities you can do for your own learning. Uh, and that was really drilled into my head during that experiment.
0: Do the thing, do the thing. And I keep bringing this back to, you know, you know, this as a fellow podcaster, I definitely understood this um, very early enough. And you know what, the, this podcast, we just parallel that to that. This podcast started on my phone. Audio was crap. Um, I was questioning everything. You can hear, you know, the mic was totally bad, but you know what? You do one episode and then you do another episode mm-hmm. and then you do another episode and then you get to your interviewing and then you book a guest and then you realize that, you know, you're, you're interrupting guests and then you're, you're, you're making the interview about you and it's too long or you're blabbering, you're going off the rails and that can be fine. But like you said, do the thing. And then eventually you read about it. You listen to interviewers. You listen to other podcasts. You connect with other podcasters. You surround yourself. You create your environment, basically. And eventually, believe it or not, two, three, four, five years down the road, do the thing. And eventually your craft or whatever that success looks like for you will eventually refine and reveal itself. Mm-hmm. That's that. Thank you for that, man. It's really true. You have to do the thing. Read as many books as you want, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't apply it. Mm-hmm there's this adage or
1: concept in the creative world that if you don't hate your original work at some point, then you waited too way too long to put it out. Like your original work should be crap because you just got to get in there and start just start creating things. Um, You're never going to learn how to create awesome shit until you actually start experimenting with it.
0: There you go. There you go. You have to learn what you don't like eventually mm-hmm. then you can take this step back and say like, okay why don't you like this why is this you know irritating you oh, okay because and what does that look like for you mm-hmm. that is that is killer that is killer and uh, you actually put that tip in um, in your jedi reading tricks um your jedi uh, reading hacks basically mm-hmm. when you told us about you know what it's a lot better you'll basically ingest that book a lot better when you're actually doing the thing you're reading about whether it's mm-hmm. financial literacy whether it's like you know building a shed or whatsoever just trying to get better at dating you need to immerse yourself into this reality you're creating for yourself it's not going to happen at the snap of a finger and that's how basically you are going to build yourself into this this new reality and I really appreciated that. And you know what? I wanted to segue just a little bit. You talked a lot about, you know, um, acceptance and being empathetic, uh, towards the fellow being. And I know that comes from a very personal place. And it just having heard you in 80, I love the episodes you do with your wife, man. Those, Thank those you. are so, those are so sweet. You guys are so. There's there's this genuine niceness about the the way you guys just interact. It's a lot of fun. I really love the episode you also did about you know the nine tips uh, for better relationships. That w- that was awesome. Thank you, man. Um, see, I listen a lot. Sacred versus versus uh versus um, secular. I love yep. that. I applied yep. that actually since last year when we cool. listened to it. My wife and I we're always applying that. And you know cool. sometimes we're where there's too much secular happening, and I just say it secular, secular, <laughs> and then my wife just like. Okay. Fine. Good, man. That's great. That's great. <laughs> she checks me as well. She really Y'all does. I doing me. it. Sometimes, sometimes she just thought like, this is a sacred moment. You realize that, right? And I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry, babe. I'm really sorry. Um, why I wanted to ask that is because, uh, you've also been very open in the interview you did, uh, talking about, um, uh, your substance abuse and, uh, you know, um, your addiction and not talking about the entire period. But what I mean by that is, You being, first of all, on the other end of the tunnel, and this also I want to celebrate you for that because we know some people unfortunately don't make it. Mm -hmm. So again, you deserve all the praise for that for recovering. But you also talked about being understanding, more open and more empathetic towards people. And I'm wondering... Coming away from that experience, how does that teach you a little bit more about being more patient and more, more welcoming to, you know, others and through their own uh, obstacles and uh, shortcomings? I think that because
1: I experienced my own frailty and vulnerability when I was a teenager and I had so many people give me so much grace. Right. I lied and cheated and stole from so many people in my life. And yet they still love me and they gave me second and third and fourth chances, right? Grace. Because of that experience, I feel like a, I'm, I'm sort of indebted to the universe and it is my privilege to give back to other humans that are just going through their own hard times. That's, that's one thing. Another thing is I just realized going through hard shit is just a part of being human. And I try like at, when, when I'm at my best, I just remember that if someone is being an asshole to me, if they fuck me over, if they do something, anything I don't like that, they are just doing the very best that they can with all of the skills and resources at their at their uh, at their fingertips right mm-hmm. they 're doing the absolute best they can, and if I was in their shoes, living their life with you know growing up where they did, having the experiences that they had, I truly believe I would make the same exact decision that they are making in that moment that i don 't like. Am I making sense i 'm mm-hmm. not always present to that I forget, and I get frustrated with people all the time. But I think I, I have become much better at bringing myself back to that place pretty quickly. And it just allows me to be really compassionate to people, like not, not make them wrong because I'm a fellow human. And if I were them, I'd probably do the same thing. And everyone in the world thinks that they are the good guy. They think that they are, and you know, and that doesn't, that doesn't mean that they might not have shame, but they, they truly think they are doing the best that they can. No one thinks that they're the bad guy. Everybody's trying to just do the best that they can.
0: There you go. There you go. And sometimes it's a lot, it's a lot easier to always criticize and be the armchair expert. And again, when you take that second to actually look inward, you realize that uh, there's, there's a little bit of sprucing up we could do. You know, in our own garden. So let's not be quick to judge other Amen. people. Amen. Yes. Uh, and a by
1: doing work. so, like when we try to change other people, we we usually just spin our wheels. People get defensive. They we they you know we turn them into enemies. It doesn't work. Like we cannot change other people. But if we do focus on ourselves, we go internal, we change our own, the way that we show up in the world and we're kinder and more compassionate and we're more curious, we're in uh, a greater sense of service. That's how we change. That's how we change the world around us by like attraction rather than promotion. Oh, that is so
0: awesome. Taking notes, taking notes. Um- you're very big about routines. You talked about that. You also mentioned that, you know, for you journaling, a very, a very dedicated sense of daily journaling is very important to you. And I was just wondering uh, what, what, why that's so important to you. Like again, for people who can share, because I hear that a lot from people saying like, you know, you should have a daily practice of either meditational practice of writing your thoughts down. And I was wondering why that holds such an important place for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At the moment I'm journaling almost zero because my world
1: has shifted with a kid and I'm just not, I'm not doing it very consistently. Um, Don't worry
0: about it. I totally
1: understand you, man. And it's, it is a really important part of my life, especially when I can get, you know, some, some free space to do it. The, yeah, the reason I do it is because most, like we're kind, we're kind of in our heads all day, every day. And it's easy to assume that we know what we think. But I think what is really happening in our heads most of the time is just these loops. Like they're just, it's happening to us. Thoughts are just popping up. We're not in control of it and it's just happening to us. And journaling allows me to ask myself introspective questions to really understand how, what I think and what I feel about something. So if I have something that is challenging in my life or I'm have an opportunity in my life. One of the ways that I I can really uh, reliably understand what is right for me is to write about it. Otherwise, it's just, it's all in my head. It feels really jumbled and it it can be really hard to get clarity on that thing. But by externalizing, by putting my thoughts on paper, I can spot any like thinking errors that are present and I can I tend to just be able to go a little bit deeper if I put things down on paper.
0: Would you believe, is there, so you would recommend uh, physically grabbing the pen and paper as opposed to say like, you know, note-taking on your phone or something? I don't know that there's a difference. I okay.
1: I really enjoy the just writing. It just feels meditative to me. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm experimenting with uh, doing a morning journal practice in the,
0: the it's a software that I use.
1: Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And we're not going to skip over this. Congratulations on Baby Shy. Thank you, buddy. Um, it's, it's, uh, you guys shared a couple of pictures, like the cutest baby ever. And you weren't, you weren't shy about, you know, showing your joy and how important it was for you when you got that news, you know, that you were going to be a dad. And for those, for those of us again who have kids or who are basically thinking of having kids or who just had a baby just like you, what did it feel like when you got that news? When AD told you, you know what we're expecting? What was that like for you?
1: Well, we found out at the same exact time. Wow. It was shocking. I expected that I would cry and I would feel just elated. And to be completely honest, all I was was shocked. Whoa. I, I felt this like, almost like in my chest, like a, a thud. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Like the, I don't know. I felt like a hammer dropped somewhere around my chest and I was like, oh shit, everything is about to change.
0: Really
1: and then over really the course noticed. of the next- in the next several months, like I, I became more and more excited, and we took all of the different phases really
0: seriously. But yeah, it was pure shock <laughs> when um, when you take a look back, you know, because you 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 you're disciplined, you're applied, you have a plan. This is how we execute. This is how we're going to do things. You know, you can't be the achiever and the high performer that you are without having a very high level sense of discipline. But when you throw a kid into the mix, It redefines priorities a lot, doesn't it? It does in some ways and it doesn't.
1: Okay. So I think that, and I want to qualify this with, I think we genuinely have a relatively easy baby Uh and I want to be sensitive to the fact that some people have much more, like some people have colicky babies and babies that are just way more sensitive. So I want to be sensitive to that fact. This is just my experience. Of course. So, I, you know, Adi and I were very clear before we had Shy that we wanted to be family centered. And that's a term that we got from Brene Brown. There are parent centered families where everything revolves around the parents at the expense of the kids. Mm-hmm. Then there is the reverse where everything is about the kids at the expense of the parents' happiness. And that's what I think most people are in these days mm-hmm. a very kid focused, everything revolves around the kids family. And we were clear, like we, we want to take care of everyone in this family, including ourselves. And so it's important and a non-negotiable that we both exercise regularly. We both can continue to eat the way that makes us feel great. And we don't make excuses about that. We make time for that no matter what. Are there exceptions to that? Sure but we don't we don't stray off of our path very far. And we do that with all of the thi- all of the habits that matter to us. Um, you know, meditation, reading, we may not be doing some of those things as much as we used to, but we continue to take extremely good care of ourselves. We continue to have somewhat of a social life because we're a family-centered family and everyone's
0: happiness is important to us. There you go. Um, Because I've we've lived this ourselves, having two kids myself, I totally understand your language, because a lot of people think that because you have a new baby or a second baby, every single waking moment or shred of energy you have is supposed to be catered to this child's well being. What happens to you? Who takes care of mommy? Who takes care of who takes care of dad? You know, I speak to dads all the time, like, you know, some new dads, and sometimes they rely on me calling me up. I can't take this. Like, well, when's the last time you went for a walk? You know, you're allowed to sleep. Mm -hmm. it's okay you know and what you're talking about is this i believe ill-advised sense of guilt that new parents or you know seasoned parents often get that because like it's selfish or i should be ashamed to want something for myself you know because that makes me not a good parent how we judge ourselves again you're talking about that dialogue and how we treat ourselves as our own friends and how we treat ourselves and a lot of people fail in that regard not fail but Um, I don't want to use the word that seems uh, like I'm accusing, but struggle uh, with that reality of, you know what, it's okay to be selfish sometimes, because if that's what you need, if you need to go for a walk, you need to allow yourself that. And a lot of times people don't, don't have, you know, the audacity to just, you know what? be more open. And for those of us in serious relationship, committee relationships, such as you are, cause you guys are a wonderful power couple. What does that conversation look like? You know, When you can rely on each other and how can, can you give us a couple of tips on how to be more open and forthcoming in regards to what we want?
1: This is a vi- like an always moving target right now. And it's something that we continue to like, we're renegotiating our roles and responsibilities around parenthood. Uh, not on a daily basis, but definitely a weekly basis. Like it, cha- it changes with his rhythms. It changes as we start to. It just changes all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to qualify it with that. <clears throat> and how do we how do we handle that? Is well, to be honest, it usually comes out first in, in the form of like a like bitching and complaining from one of us. Like you know, I don't feel like you're doing enough here here's why you know a d and i have gotten pretty damn good at have at doing that bitching and complaining in a really skilled way where it leads to resolution much more quickly like it's mm-hmm. not as volatile Uh, the other person doesn't get as defensive. Like we've worked at this for years, but yeah, it usually comes in the form of like a frustration, a complaint, uh, or, or some form of bitching. And honestly, right now it's usually from her to me because I'm the one that, um, is not showing up fully as much I'm having, you know, it's, it's not when, when you were talking about, um, something about like, you got to take care of yourself as a parent. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. hard for me to take care of myself. It's harder for me to let go of some of my freedom and space and to okay. really lean into being fully present with my son and showing up fully for my wife. Got you. Okay. That's what I'm working on. And so usually it's her coming to me and saying like, I'll give you a very specific example. She came to me a couple of weeks ago and said, I feel like you're kind of like a part-time dad because, you know, we're, we had gotten really crystal clear about who's in charge of him when, and I would do that when it was my time. But outside of those times, I was just kind of like, I would kind of like watch, watch her parent and be kind of a, um, be more passive is the right way to look at it and wait for her to ask me for help rather than just helping, rather than trying to make her life easier or trying to spend more time with him. And that really resonated with me. And I resisted it like a motherfucker at first. And then I've adapted and grown. And that's, yeah, that's kind of how we do any any sort of growth in our relationship, it usually comes out of a little bit of frustration, um, a little bit of like crossing boundaries. And then we express that. We look at it as an opportunity to grow together Mm -hmm. and we talk about it.
0: You have to do the thing. You have to do the thing. He's like, there's no blueprint for this. You know, every couple is different. It can be hard, but you know, again, I congratulate you guys because it's, it's no, it's no short achievement, you know? And again, there's a long road ahead. But it's a a beautiful journey. It's a beautiful journey. Thank Um, you for that, man. What else else did I want to ask, Mike? Um, You're all about growth and empowerment and self-development. And you basically are always about trying to teach us um, throughout your achievements as a champion, as an entrepreneur, and as a go-getter, and as an elite performer, as I like to say, that you can always do better. And that's even one of my taglines as well on this podcast, do better every day because preparing for this for this uh, recording i was mm-hmm. watching the uh the movie uh i forgot whiplash whiplash the the drummer movie i don't know yes. if you saw it yes i have seen it and i love it because it really opposes two very driving forces like the will to do better from the student like okay i know i need to go through this frustration to get better mm-hmm. because the teacher being as gulag as he was as dictator as he was brought the best out of his student and this, the, the student itself, you know, going through this frustration realized that, okay, I'm going through this frustration, but it only got the better out of me. So when we, how do we know when we should push or when we should give up? And I don't know, preparing for this episode, that was one question that you know, I, I paralleled with your achievements and CrossFit and everything, because from what I understand, again, like, you can't get to that level of ch- being a champion if you don't push yourself beyond limits that even yourself thought you could. But at some point, some, some people realize, you know what, this is too much for me. You know what, I need to check out. Mm-hmm. And how does that, how do you wrestle with that? You know, long ass explanation for a question. I apologize.
1: Now I totally understand it. So it's like, when do we, when do we push through something? And w- yeah, when do we push through something and when do we give up because it's no longer? Yes. It's no longer for us.
0: See, again, I'm learning with
1: every, even the guest has to translate my questions for me. (laughs) No, this is great. So my belief around achievement has changed a lot over the years. And part of me, my ego, there's a, there's a part of me, very strong part of me that really wants more achievement in my life. I want more followers on Instagram. I want more subscribers. I want to make more money. Um, is very achievement oriented, but the bigger part of me and a growing part of me, like maybe a wiser part knows that that is, it's fruitless. That knows that as soon as I achieve anything, it's kind of like a, it's like a firecracker. Like it feels really good for a really short period of time. And then it's empty. Like then it's over and it's, it's empty. And so for me now, now in my life, if something doesn't feel fun, if I'm not learning anymore, if it doesn't feel fulfilling, if I'm just simply not enjoying it anymore, then I want to get out of it as quickly as possible because achievement is not going to make me any happier. Like I just, I know that if I'm not, and this is very cliche. If I'm not enjoying the process, then it's worthless to me because the, the vast majority of our life is process. It's not these peak moments like a CrossFit games or um, a, a book launch or hitting 5 million subscribers on a podcast or, or whatever it is. Those are, those are very small moments in our life that they could, f- they could feel really, really pleasurable. But the majority of our life is just not those moments. I want to enjoy the vast majority of my life. And so if something isn't interesting anymore, not fun, et cetera, all the things I said, then I want to be done with it. As soon as I become clear about that, I want to be done with it. And I I do want to acknowledge that like, there's part of your question that about discomfort that I want to address. Mm -hmm. I also want to pay attention to what feelings are driving the decision. There's a difference between fear of failure and just a lack of fun, right? If something is not interesting, fun, if I'm not learning, I want to be done with it. If I'm simply feeling afraid and uncomfortable because I just started or I just leveled up and I'm I'm like taking on a new... Um, like new skills, I'm trying to learn new skills in whatever I'm doing, that is a reason to, to push through. Like if it's still interesting and fun, but I'm just feeling afraid, then that's something I want to continue on and, and, and keep doing,
0: man. See, this is, this is why you're the man, Mike, <laughs> oh, awesome. Mike you drop, Mike drop, Mike. Um, I can't thank you enough. Like I said, and I promise this, I'm very respectful of the clock, so I'm not going to abuse of it any longer. But it was an amazing time and a privilege to, you know, just peek into your own individual perspective of the world. And myself and the guests were ever so grateful uh, for this wonderful wisdom, this, this time, this patience, this empathy, uh, this genuine energy that you share because we're all the better for it. I really want to thank you uh, for taking the time to be here. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. I really, really, really appreciate it.
1: And thank you, man. I had a blast and you're
0: excellent at this. Appreciate it. It, it. it,
1: it just felt like we we're two friends having a conversation, which is oh, a, a great mark for a, a good podcaster.
0: Honored, honored, honored. Like I said, for me and all my guests, open invitation. Anytime you want to be back, if the universe aligns, whenever, wherever, you know, after this pandemic is over, you're always welcome back.
1: Awesome. Thank you, man
0: running tradition on the podcast final final basically opening question but it's not an opening question basically opening up the floor to the guest uh you know just a quote a personal mantra daily motivation a word a of ne- uh, just a next step anyone any anything one of our listeners can actually wake up tomorrow and take that next step towards the next level not sure if you can leave us uh, with a word of wisdom i don't know if it's the best advice I can give, but
1: it's, it's been pretty damn good in my life as well as my wife's. One of the things that we preach in nutrition is to aim low. And this is an idea that we got from a guy named Jordan Peterson. He says that we don't in life. We don't aim low enough. Like we often make goals that are way too big and we set ourselves up for failure. So much of accomplishing things in life, uh, achieving goals, being consistent in anything is about maintaining our own motivation. And one of the best ways to do that is just to aim low, like set, set things up so that we can be successful in the short term and just keep inching the bar up just a little bit. So whatever, whatever's meaningful to you in your life, whatever challenge you're going through, whatever opportunity you have in front of you, what. Action step: Can you put in front of you that is you're an eight or a nine out of ten likely to succeed in? Don't do something that is way out of reach. What is something that would move you in the direction that you want to go, but you're an eight or nine out of ten to, to succeed? Do that. Line those up every single day, like those those next action steps every single day, and that's how big things are are really achieved. Uh, there's this "wait, but why?" quote. That goes something like, a great achievement is just what a series of mundane tasks look like over the course of a really long period of time.
0: Wow, wow, man! I'm I'm just saving this for the record books. That was that was amazing, amazing, Mike. Thank you so much. Um, just shameless plugging time. When can the listeners look, connect with you on the interwebs, my friend?
1: So I'm not very active on social media, but I check my direct messages. Occasionally, you can find me at Michael Kaziu, that's C-A-Z-A-Y-O-U-X. And listen to me at the WAG podcast. That's my wife and I. We do 20 to 30-minute episodes on a single topic with actionable items at the end of each. And then I have the Michael Kaz podcast, which is me interviewing uh, awesome guests, very much like this one
0: man definitely we'll link up all the the appropriate links on the blog post when the episode goes live guys my guest michael Casu. guys please follow mike give him some love follow ad as well wag podcast again check the show notes for the all the links and please j- go show some love guys thanks so much for being for being you know so supportive of this amazing journey mike all the best to you and yours guys as always follow us on instagram my awaken the awesome podcast itunes google podcast spotify i make it available guys come on you know it's not that complicated (laughs) love you guys have a terrific evening stay blessed stay safe and as always do stay awesome this has been another episode of the awaken the awesome podcast we always love to get your feedback so please do drop us a line via instagram facebook or email our email address awakentheawesome at gmail.com do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests